Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Zach Shaw. Steve Lorenz here with me, previewing Michigan versus Washington. Of course, already and then in the next coming days, there will be plenty of written previews content over at the MichiganInsider.com, Michigan.247sports.com, so you can get ready for the night game matchup between the Huskies and the Wolverines. Uh, of course, if you are interested in the basketball and the recruiting side of things, we, we have those podcasts as well. Uh, wherever you're getting this podcast, the odds are you can find the re- recent recruiting podcast, recent basketball podcast episodes. Um, so be sure to check those out and, and throw us throw us some ratings if you like it. If you like what you, you hear, may, be sure to come back. Uh, we, we produce three plus podcasts every single week. Um, love to love to have a growing audience. Love to hear the positive feedback from all of you. So anyway, the, our preview content or preview episode is is going to be similar to last week. We'll talk about keys to the game. Um, you know, maybe some of the storylines that came up this week in in press conferences and everything. And then we will uh, do some predictions for the game, both at an individual level. You know, uh, you different units, different, you know, have our over-unders for the yardage and everything. And then, of course, our final score prediction. So, Steve, obviously, uh, Washington is is kind of in a, a an interesting spot. I thought that was, I don't know if you saw the game, but I, I saw it kind of develop Saturday night. They, they lost to Montana 13-7. to Took a little bit of the wind out of uh, the sails to this matchup. But obviously, Michigan looking pretty good against Western Michigan. I, I think the best way to describe it is they did what they were supposed to do and a little bit more. So I, I, I think this is a matchup that kind of tilts in, in Michigan's favor. We'll talk about how we think it'll play out in just a moment, but, but your first key to the, to the game, maybe looking at Michigan's offense. I keep doing what they've been, what they did last week. I know it's kind of a, <clears throat> it's not as, I don't mean that as simply as I, said it necessarily but you know I, I think I think the biggest thing on both sides of the ball but offensively obviously uh I think just seeing the efficient quarterback play bodes well for Michigan I think McNamara's only two incompletions were the tip passes the old John Navarre thing uh you know which again we'll see if that's a developing if that's going to be a pattern this season or maybe it was just a a blip on the radar no, the overall Michigan's offensive line played pretty solid, not perfect, but you know it's like I said oh, a couple days. I think I wrote a couple days ago, Andrew Vistardis looking like Michigan's best offensive lineman in the first game. I think is about as good a scenario as you could ask for. Uh, Zach Zinter went in there, was effective. I know our friends at MGo Blog Seth does a really good job with the uh, film breakdowns. Had Filiaga graded out as the top, the top guy. Yeah. He had a great game. Right. So those are really good. Those are good things. Uh, because Stuber feels like a Stuber feels dependable. Keegan was a little up and down, but you know, between Zinter, Keegan, Filiaga, you see him, those guys in Vistardis, you know, have such a good game to start the season, I think bodes really, really well uh, for them going forward and, and uh, the game against Washington, no different. So I think for Michigan, I think the offensive line just got to keep kind of playing the way they did uh, because it, it did their, their play is what opened everything else up on Saturday. I mean, both in the run game and in the passing game. So again, it start 
big game against a big opponent. It always all, it always starts up front. So I think for Michigan, it's, it's about the offensive line just kind of picking up where they left off on Saturday. Yeah, I think that's a. will have something similar. I think this has to be a game where Michigan consistently runs the ball. I understand they ran for 330 yards against Western Michigan, their most in five years. But, you know, looking at Washington's personnel, and, and it's early enough in the season that we don't know everyone who's going to be good, but they've got some really good defensive backs. I think there's a real chance their entire secondary is drafted in the next two years. I mean, Trent McDuffie uh, is maybe one of the top two or three cornerbacks in the, in the entire country. Uh, you know, they've, they've it seems like they've always had good safety play, at least in the, the recent ascent of Washington football. And, and so I, I, I am skeptical that they're going to be able to Michigan, meaning that they're going to be able to pass a ton. You know, I think, I think Michigan almost would prefer not to even necessarily try a ton until, until Washington starts stacking the box a little bit. Uh, maybe they do that from the get go. Cause they have, guys that can cover one-on-one, but I, I don't know if this is a game Michigan can win with the passing game. I think it really, they did. If they're going to win offensively, it's going to be running the ball. Washington from last season, they've had a few guys depart from that linebacker and defensive front. I don't think it's a bad front seven at all, but I think it's still a little inexperienced. But quietly, Washington's defense did its job against Montana. You know, we'll talk about Washington's offense in a moment. But the defense, I mean, it's still a, it's still a good unit. Jimmy Lake was a was a defensive guy. I think they're a defensive defense first uh, team right now. And so I think the big thing will just be this is if Michigan feels like it can be a physical running game this season. And that's that was one one thing that came up a lot in press conferences this week as I was kind of asking these players like, what what what's that like? And just to, to watch the offensive linemen their face light up when you ask them like, hey, how much fun do you get? You know, being a run blocker in this unit, and and I mean they love it. You know, this is a this is a group I, I felt like it could be this kind of offensive line, and and frankly the running backs are also really physical. You know, they can they can live up to that billing. Uh, you know, Chuck Filiaga yesterday was telling us about you know, sometimes the running backs will say, hey, let me let me get this guy. <laughs> I, I can imagine Hassan Haskins is probably the main guy doing this, but they'll say, let let that linebacker through. I want to I want to assert some contact. And, and you know, the linemen, of course, aren't, aren't going to do that. But um, feels like Michigan has a, a really good physical running game. Maybe it's best. Of the Jim Harbaugh era. And if that that is true, I think they have a pretty good chance of of winning on on Saturday. But I think they have to be able to establish a consistent run game. It's one thing to have a big play. It's one thing to have, you know, one drive where it's working and then one drive where it doesn't. But if they can consistently avoid maybe third and long situations, um, you know, try to avoid as many passing down, obvious passing downs as possible. I I think. I think that they'll be able to move the line of scrimmage just a little bit. I just don't, I could see a scenario where if they're getting sacked or tackles for loss and they have to kind of chuck it downfield, I can see where that gets ugly in a hurry. Steve, your key for Michigan's defense. And I'm going to, I'm going to not going to let you say, just keep doing what you're doing. I'm going to make you be more creative than that, but, but your key 
uh, against a Washington offense that maybe kept some things under wraps. It's hard to tell. I mean, but seven points against Montana is just, uh, I mean, that's almost unfathomable for a, a division one team with top 20 recruiting classes year in, year out. I, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I say you got to cut the head off of the dragon uh, and slow down Kate Otten, who looks like by far their best player on offense. At least he was on Saturday, but also I think probably preseason. This is the tight like, end, right? Yeah. The tight end. Yeah. looks like was, I think projected probably to be their top guy offensively. Uh, so I think, I think you start there, you know, he's the only guy, I mean, just solely based off the box score, but also I didn't watch much of the game. I saw the highlights, but I didn't watch it live. Um, yeah. What three turnovers, 4.9 yards per pass on 46 attempts from Dylan Morris, uh, you know, Otten more than what I, more than a safety valve at the tight end position, a guy I think could give Michigan problems in the passing game. Maybe it'll open things up for everybody else. Uh, they're banged up at receiver. They rely on their, their passing game. Like, yeah, again, Cameron Davis, three catches for 29 yards, Richard Newton, four catches for 23 yards. I mean, those are their running backs were like their most among their most targeted uh, receivers on Saturday. It just felt very uh, unexplosive offensive performance for them. So I think if you stop Kate Otten, I mean, the question is at that point, who, who else are they, you know, who else are they going to rely on? Do they make a change at quarterback too? I haven't read the boards. I, I've heard rumors that it's a pretty lively board at our Washington site on 24 seven, but I haven't really gone over there. Yeah, I would I imagine know. it's pretty lively this week, right? I would assume so. Right. <laughs> um, do they think, do they, are they considering a quarterback change? You know, I don't really know. I, I can't imagine, you know, making a change with your team traveling almost all the way across the country to play Michigan at night at the big house. I don't know how, well, that would go over, uh, you know, or how that just seems risky, even with Morris's struggles last week. So, no, for me, I think you stop Kate Otten, and then, then you go from there, uh, because at least based on this one game sample size, which if we're clear, a lot can change week to week early in the season. You know, we don't know a lot about a lot of teams right now still. So um, that being said, you know, again, I think going into the season, we would have said Otten was their best player, slow him down force them to find somebody else to throw the ball to and uh, go from there. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, that's, that's kind of the, the easy one because they, they did, they just really don't have a ton of star power at running back. And, and you mentioned their, um, the receivers are pretty banged up. I mean, it is kind of crazy that, that at one point Giles Jackson was supposed to be their like fifth or sixth receiver, which I guess speaks to that. Maybe they have a pretty talented room. But at the same time, if, if guys are injured, guys are um, out, they're out. But, yeah, I, I'm very curious about the quarterback situation because Dylan Morris, even last season, I think they went 3-1 and one last season. They, you know, his numbers were okay, but it was a lot over the middle of the field. He really did not show, maybe he has it, but he did not show even a Cade McNamara-level arm strength. You know, it was it, he was very much, I think, optimally Washington kind of uses him as a, as a, you know, he does can do a lot of check downs, a lot of stuff in the flats, a lot of stuff over the middle of the field. And they don't really need him to sling it 
and they can he can kind of be more of a game manager type. But the problem is they don't have a ton at, at, in the run game either that's really, I guess, going to be able to carry them. So I think, I think for me the key is I think the linebackers, Michigan's linebackers just have to play really well in coverage. Yeah, I think Daxton Hill, I just wrote a story about him. I think he can erase a lot. I think that, you know, Michigan's secondary overall, the safety play, I thought was really impressive Saturday. Linebackers quietly got picked on a little bit in coverage. And and there were a couple play sets, especially in that, that first quarter, maybe they ironed it out. But, you know, there were a couple plays where I, you could tell exactly what was going to happen because Josh Ross – it's not a dig on Ross. It's, it's literally just a mismatch was lined up against a slot receiver. And so, and, and, and you, and sure enough, it was, you know, kind of a throw over the middle of the field where, um, you know, the, it was a completed pass and, and a big game. And I felt like Michigan's zone defense open, left a couple spots a little too open in my opinion, where, where a couple out routes, even on Daxton Hill um, were pretty open you know, just little pockets in the zone. So I think without trying to say exactly what you're trying to say, I think, I think a big thing is just, uh, you know, the linebackers have to hold their own in coverage. They don't need to be perfect. I think Michigan can win without necessarily perfect linebacker coverage. But if, if I were circling one area from Michigan's defense, I think could improve after last week, other than the continual, defensive tackles providing as much push as possible. I think it would be the linebackers had a couple slip ups in coverage, had a couple mistakes. And I have to think Washington based on their personnel, you know, you mentioned Otten. I'm sure they have a host of tight ends who can, who can do similar things. They, it seems like they've, they've been a pretty good tight end production program for, for a few years. And then, and then the slot receivers. And so I think they'll try to, try to create mismatches, try to create confusion over the middle of the field. And, and so that would be a big key. Um, couple, couple other big storylines from this week, you know, Ronnie Bell, obviously out for the season with injury, wrote a story about how they plan to replace him. They, they do plan to make it a group effort. And I, I think my story kind of singled out each player and what they can bring that Ronnie Bell used to bring. and. Steve, I, I don't know about you. This isn't, I don't mean this in a, as any offense to Ronnie Bell, but quietly not maybe the devastating loss that, that it might be when you write the sentence, Michigan's 2019 and 2020 leading receiver, Ronnie Bell, who's also a captain out for the year with injury, feels like they have the pieces to still be a very high quality wide receiver room. In fact, my, my expectations for the room are relatively unchanged real quick. Just, just your thoughts on, on who can step up and, and maybe how that changes expectations for the receiver room. So we talked about this preseason that receiver, there were a couple positions, receiver offensive line where Michigan had the depth to withstand an injury, maybe more so than they've had in past years. The addition, the Dalen Baldwin addition, you know, makes that even easier or makes that even, you know, makes that even less of an issue. I think <clears throat> the only thing is Ronnie Bell looked amazing when he was in. That's the only, like I'm with you all the way. I think it's, I think that they can replace that production, but I mean, he looked 
as 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 valuable as he's been to Michigan the last couple of years, I mean, he looked improved uh, just in the short time that he played on Saturday. So a loss from that regard, you, you everybody listening knows I'm a big A.J. Henning person. He showed why uh, with the 76-yard touchdown run. I feel like he's a guy that just, you know, I don't we didn't hear like a ton, ton about him in fall camp, but I, you know, Coaches have talked about some guys that just play better and over practice. I think Haskins is a guy they've mentioned. Because so I kind of wonder if Henning is similar because man, when he's in there, it just it does. It just looks he just looks like the type of guy who could break one open at any point. So, you know, I think Henning would be one of the first guys I think of. Roman Wilson also got a nice again run, but he's somebody who has plenty of experience from last season, one of the more experienced freshmen, you know, so insane was still uh, who rightfully. So I think someone on our board made a point to mention this. And I noticed this during the game really didn't make a dent in the box score from a receiving standpoint, but was excellent on the edge uh, blocking, right? There's a ton of the guys that block at that position are going to play. So I don't think you, you know, I don't think he had the one, I think he had the bubble screen from McCarthy that went for negative yardage. I think that was his only catch. You know, despite that, I, I, he's going to keep playing just because of his value there. And again, that doesn't mean, I still think he has a lot of value catching the football too, but um, so yeah, that's, that's the value of like having it. Oh, Andrew Anthony also played a decent amount of snaps at the end of the game. And is somebody that, you know, we may, maybe we'll see him in more, high leverage situations going forward. So yeah, no shortage of guys that could kind of step into that role. I think really the bigger question is, is who is that? Who's the one, who's it going to be? You know, um, we know Cornelius Johnson is going to be a, a starter. I suspect Sainer still will still be on the field a lot. Like I said, because of his blocking ability will allow him to be on the field and maybe make plays in the passing game too. Uh, but who will kind of be that third guy and, and third and fourth guy? Like, I, there's so many different candidates that it does make as valuable as Bell has been. It's not as big a blow. And let's say if uh, I don't know, like a like a Jamon well, Green Josh or Ross, Vince, yeah, yeah, or a, or a Josh Ross or a Vincent Gray was to get hurt. You know, it's like the, there's there might not be the same level or amount of like capable guys that are ready to step up in their stead. Yeah, and they have the they have the bodies to rotate to so it's not like here's all the pressure on one player to do really well by the way um won't get a lot of sympathy michigan fans from washington fans for receiver injuries i i just looked over uh dogman.com i think is our our washington site they have more tight ends listed in the depth chart than wide receivers right now uh, they have seven tight ends listed, tight end slash fullbacks listed in their depth chart. They have four wide receivers listed in their depth chart. So uh, they're they're hurting as well. Uh, n- another storyline, I, I guess, just general question. Is this, does this suddenly become a bit of a trap game? I mean, Michigan, they did talk the talk in not letting Washington's surprising loss Um. I guess get to them or change how they approach. And you know, Joel Honigford, he knows he knew his audience last night. He was talking to us and he said that, you know, he's asked about still taking Washington seriously. He said, honestly, we're just trying to 
treat every week like we're trying to beat Ohio State that week. And so obviously that's something that that's music to the fans ears. But Steve, I, I can't I can't help it personally when I'm looking at this game. I have a very hard time. Any sort of story about Washington's offense has just this huge grain of salt. That's like they scored seven points against Montana and, and Dylan Morris, you know, there were talk about four-star recruit certainly had some good moments last season, but three interceptions, no touchdowns, QBR of 8.9 out of a hundred. So I guess in in your mind, is it, does this, is there any concern on your end of Michigan, maybe not taking this game as seriously? I think one thing that helps is that it's early in the season. So there's still a lot of early season energy and optimism, but um, any, any reason, does that add to the concern or does Washington losing actually decrease your concern? Because, well, frankly, they didn't look very good. I guess I'm just curious about your thoughts because that's, that's obviously a big team-wide storyline to keep an eye on. It's a night game. <clears throat> big house will be louder than it's been in over almost two full, two full calendar years. I just have a hard time believing they're not going to come with the energy. You know, this is, I suspect, was the early season game that they had circled on their calendar, right? All the recruits are going to, you know, there's going to have a yep, ton of, a lot recruits, of recruits big time. Uh, best visitor list I can remember. We'll have more on that in the site, you know, leading up into Saturday. I just, there's too many reasons for that to, to not happen for me to believe that it's, it's a real possibility. And I don't think it's relevant whether Washington laid an egg last week, or maybe if they're just not as good as people thought. Uh, I just, I don't, I'd just be very surprised if, you know, they've always played really well at night at home anyway. So I I don't, I just think they're going to be too amped up. Just, I think the energy level in the stadium is going to be, you know, like I said, as high as it's been in in two years, I I just think they're going to be amped up and ready to go regardless of what, you know, what, if what Washington did last week was a, the the real Washington or, or just a, an egg that got laid. Yeah. Yeah. I think I can get on board with that. I, I, I think, and I think one thing that actually helps Michigan is it's very easy to literally just look at last season when Michigan beat Minnesota on the road, it's looking like a ranked team and Michigan state out of nowhere loses to Rutgers. I believe for the first time in, in the, their history, I, if it wasn't the first time in their history, a very rare unexpected loss to Rutgers. And then what happens the next week? Well, they meet in the big house and, and Michigan state kind of punches them in the mouth. And so I think there's a small part of me that if Washington comes in, in the first quarter and just looks really prepared is executing at a high level. And it's just kind of playing some smash, smash mouth football that I, I could see Michigan maybe being a little rattled, a little surprised, but, but you're right. The energy will be there at the start. There will be fans in the stands, which there wasn't last season. And, and honestly, I, I don't, I mean, Washington can't change their team overnight I mean, they can get a couple guys healthy. They can, they have a five-star quarterback on the bench. They have a, a highly productive grad transfer quarterback as well, who played at Colorado state, I think most recently. Um, so maybe there's small things they could change, but, the fact is they worked all fall and even if they were totally focused on Michigan, they should still have been able to beat Montana. 
and put up more than seven seven points. So, uh, yeah, I, I, it's just something that, that I've been asked a couple times. Like, does it does add to the worry, decrease the worry? Um, I, I think I'd probably call it around even. You know, I think I think the the my confidence in Michigan winning is probably about the same. I think the confidence or the the chance that I would give Michigan of winning in a blowout fashion is now higher. But in terms of like actual percent chance of winning, I'm I'm probably about the same. We're gonna hit a quick break. On the other side, we are going to do our predictions for this game. You're listening to the Wolverine twenty four seven podcast. It's the NFL offseason, but on Pick 6, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, the football season never stops. Host Will Brinson, John Breach, and Tyler Sullivan are joined by analysts like Brady Quinn, Leslie Ducible, Katie Mox, and R.J. White to keep you in the loop on everything happening around the league. Whether it's free agents signing with new teams, the all-important NFL draft, or schedule release day, Pick 6 has you covered. As the face of the league changes with every team move and player pickup this spring, Pick 6 is a must Listen, download, and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and anywhere podcasts are found. And we're back. Thanks for waiting. Um, so we actually got predictions sent to us this week, Steve. Uh, but uh, you know, our, our good friend Neil sends us these things every week. He missed us last week because we record a little bit earlier than we used to. But getting started, there'll be four over-unders in total on the offense oh by the way you beat me by four last season 39 to 35 out of 74 so (laughs) maybe don't take these to the bank we're we're both about 50 50 um on the offense 239.5 yards passing for michigan's quarterbacks combined so they get to 240 or more or less your thoughts oh boy good number Always has some good numbers. He's, uh, he's way better at the numbers than I am. Yeah. Um, I'll say under. You're actually the one that kind of convinced me with the with the stats earlier, and I already know, yeah, their they're defensive backfield, those guys were all pretty heavily recruited also. They're not just good. Uh, they're guys I remember from the recruiting process. So I suspect Michigan will have a little bit more difficulty throwing the ball than they did against Western Michigan. Yeah, I think I think you know, the, the one thing is that they'll – they might be in more situations where they need to pass. You know, Western Michigan, they they probably could have gotten away with passing like ten times in that game, and they they only passed seventeen times. Um, but I, I'm going to say under as well. I think there's a good chance that it's over if if the game is close, or I guess you know, Michigan's trailing. Uh, just. Just feel like when they do pass, you know, there aren't going to be Dalen Baldwin type plays that go off for 69 yards. There aren't going to be that many Ronnie Bell type passes that go off for 70. I mean, that was, that was like basically those two plays were half their passing yards last week. So, um, feel like there aren't going to be those broken type plays. I think if they do pass, it'll be more of a eight yards per attempt, 10 yards per completion, something something in that window. And, and in that case, I just don't think they're going to throw that much. So I'm going to say under Blake Corum. Oh, this is an interesting one. Blake Corum with 1.5 more carries than Hassan Haskins. So does he get two more carries or more than Haskins? Doesn't feel like this will be too consequential to the result of the game, but, but is, that is an interesting look. Has Corum maybe 
taken a slight edge over Haskins after last week, just in terms of number of carries that he's going to get. I'll say under. I think Haskins is the guy this week. I think we might see some a little bit of back and forth in that regard. I don't know if it was a hot hand thing last week or or what, uh, but Haskins was also effective too. Uh, the thing about Haskins, he's always he's there. They ask um, he's called upon in like a lot of situations where the likelihood of like breaking one or gaining twenty yards is are, is unlikely. Short yardage stuff. We've talked about how. He's one of the best, if not the best in the country at falling forward or, or not losing yardage, you know? So I think there's, he, he's so valuable and, and again, almost becoming underrated based on Coram's performance last week. People are saying Coram should be the number one guy. I'm going to go under. I think, I think Haskins plays a bigger role this week uh, against a, just a power five uh, front seven. Yeah. I'm going to say, under as well i think haskins will end up with more carries one one caveat or one thing i would add to what you said which i think is largely correct is i i can't help but wonder if michigan was maybe saving haskins a little bit for this week not not so much like trying to not have him play at all and avoid injury but more in the sense of lower the number of carries lower the mileage that he endures in week one so that maybe you can lean on him if you need to for 20 plus carries in week two. I, I don't know that that isn't something that like I've been hearing or, or whatever, but small hypothesis, just because the way he runs is a lot more physically taxing than the way Blake Corum runs for, in general. If we're speaking, you know, who's, who's taking the most contact in, in a game, it's going to be Haskins in most cases, you know, Corum. I think he's stronger than people give him credit for. I think he can go between the tackles and, you know, bowl, bowl over a linebacker, things like that. But I think I'm with you. I kind of feel like this, this could be a, a big, I think Michigan might've even in, in game planning thought, okay, have him work really hard, have him do a lot for us against Washington. Don't really need him to do a ton against Western Michigan and Northern Illinois and, and maybe not even Rutgers. You know, it's almost like, it's almost like a big game. Haskins type type approach and 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 to his credit he has done well in big games some of his uh, highest carry highest production games have been against Penn State against Alabama um, those are the only two that come up to me off the top of my head but I'm sure there's a couple other ones where he's had where I know he's had really big games and t- ha- taken a lot of carries uh, Notre Dame actually he had a great game against Notre Dame so yeah I'm gonna take the under, I think this is a game that Haskins gets a lot of carries. 69.5 yards for Michigan's leading receiver. Uh, I'm just going to quickly say under. I just, if I'm saying under for 240 passing yards, the odds that one guy gets all of those. Now, one play would change that, but going to take the under. I think I think they still try to spread the ball around. Um, I, I, and without Ronnie Bell, is there definitely a go-to that they're going to throw to? six, seven times in this game. Your thoughts, Steve? I'm going to say over. I think Cornelius Johnson, you know, he okay. was a little quiet. Pick to pop. Against, right. West, against Western Michigan. I think he has a good game, but I, I agree. I mean, I know I'm picking them to go under on the yardage, but I think Johnson has a good game. I think he's a, 
like I said, I think he steps up a little bit and uh, maybe it's a big play or something, but I, th- I think he gets there. Yeah. He had a, he had a quiet game one, three targets. I think one was tipped um, two catches for 15 yards. Still, he was my breakout pick for the season. So, or one of my few, but <laughs> probably my main one. And so, so we'll see what he can do in this game. Number four, Michigan runs on first down 74.5% of the time. Boy, that seems like a high number, but without knowing the, the statistics and thinking that this will be a run-first offensive game plan, I, I'm kind of tempted to take the, take the over on this one. I, I don't know how, what the historical statistics are for this. I'm going to say over. What do you think? 74.5%. Under, just because that's such a high number. I could see yeah. it being close. But because again, we, you know, Michigan has run the ball. Looks like they're going to be, that looks like they are going to be a run first offense. Washington probably a little bit weaker in the front seven in the back four makes sense to run the ball to, you know, give yourself maybe opportunities to loosen up that defensive backfield. But I still think it'll be a little bit lower than that. That's a pretty high number. Fair enough. Moving to the defense, Michigan forces 7.5 tackles for loss and sacks. Now that's a, that's a very high number. Last season, or last week, I should say, they only had three tackles for loss, one of which was a sack. But apparently Montana had 11. That really surprises me. I, was, I don't have Pac-12 Network. I wasn't able to watch the game. But that number really surprised me because I thought this Washington offensive line was supposed to be really good. Uh, you know, Maybe one of the better ones Michigan faces all season. I'm going to say under... I don't know if Michigan's that kind of havoc. I mean, they only had three against Western Michigan. I got to think Washington, even if they struggle, has a better offensive line than, than Western Michigan. I'm going to take the under that. I don't know the last time Michigan had seven and a half or eight plus tackles for loss. What do you think? Oh boy. Yeah. I just went and looked at the box score. Um, man. Montana does that on the road. Michigan gets them at home. I'll still say under. I agree. Your logic is sound. But again, much like the the percentages on the run first, I I think they'll get close, but I don't think they'll surpass. Uh, So to say they go under doesn't mean I think they're only going to get like a few or a couple. I do think they accumulate some. I just don't know if they get that many. Yeah. One that I will take the over on is his next one, 9.5 tackles for Nakai Hill Green and Josh Ross combined. I feel like these two are going to combine for 10 tackles a game all season. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to take the over on 9.5. Fully agree. No, yep. really no expanding on that one. I mean, that, that's, you know, suspect teams are still going to try to run the football on them. Given what we, you know, talked about the defensive interior it's still kind of, I think the jury's still out on how they even really played on yeah. Saturday. Um, you know, Ross was great against the run Hill green. Also, like I thought Hill green for the most part played really well. Like the one big whiff he had, he was, uh, I think he was a readjusting, like, uh, looking back to the sidelines for a call when the ball was snapped. I think he was a little off guard there, but uh, otherwise I thought he played pretty well. So yeah, I think, I think those guys are in line to, like you said, probably accumulate quite a few tackles throughout the season. Slightly more, I guess, could go either way on this. Four and a half pass breakups plus interceptions for the secondary. 
I will. I won't predict interceptions. Those are too hard to predict. But I, I do think they'll get to five pass breakups. Um, I just. I don't know. I imagine Washington will throw a decent amount, and and Michigan. Michigan's secondary does seem to be improved from last season. It can change in an instant, but felt like Vincent Gray was better at getting his hand on on some of these passes. And Jermon Green, if they target him, they didn't target him a ton last week, but if they target him, I think he can. And and Dax Hill, I think, is another guy who can, you know, they can try throwing at him, but I think he's going to be able to to impact some of these passes. So I'm going to take the over. That's a high pass breakup interception number, but I'm going to take the over on that one. I'll go under, but again, a lot of these are like, I think they'll probably get three or four. I just don't think they quite get to five. So yeah, I'll go with the Fair other. enough. Fair enough. Last one defense allows 2.5 plays of 20 yards or more. Apparently Washington only had one against Montana. Boy, that is just, uh, I'm going to say, Hey, to interrupt, where are we at? I mean, with this, because it's like these stats are like mind blowing almost is how and how ineffective Washington was. Like, were they trying to lose offensively? That right. That's that's part the of the I watch the highlights and you see the box score. It's it's this has been a very difficult game to kind of approach from a breakdown standpoint, because this is a team that a lot of people saw as a, a dark horse to win the Pac-12, not just win their division, but win the whole conference. It's just, yeah. Is did they really just, you know, did they completely just lay an egg, or is this, you know, it's just been, it's, it's going to be. I think Saturday is a very fascinating game. Didn't mean to interrupt, but just we're reading these stats, and it's like they were just that bad uh, statistically, anyway, uh, and it didn't look any better uh, from what I saw. It's just a uh, kind of. I, I can't imagine being a Washington fan right now trying to figure out like what the hell happened. Right. Well, and you know? and unlike some of these FCS upsets it was all one-sided. Like the defense did its job. It was the offense that just could not do anything in a game against a team that they probably should have been able to do a lot. You know, they have, they returned a starting quarterback. They returned a tight end. They return. I want to say three or four starting offensive linemen, you know, the receiver they and running back, they did have a lot of change in the last year, year or so, but man, oh man, how could you just one play of 20 yards or more against Montana? You know, at some point, don't you just kind of throw Hail Marys downfield and hope that your speedy receivers get there? But anyways, two and a half is kind of a low number. I'm going to say over just because it's a low number. But I do think Michigan's gotten better at big play defense. I don't know if they're going to hold Washington to that. I guess I guess we'll see. Maybe Washington's offense really is that bad, but that just seems otherworldly. Um for Washington to get through two games this season and only have three plays of 20 yards or more. You take an over or under. I'll, I'm with you on this one. Just for the, pretty much for the same reason. I mean, it's just, like I said, it's just like, I can't fathom that they're really that bad. Um, I just can't foresee a scenario where they, they completely repeat their performance from last week, despite the fact that, they're playing a much better opponent. They're traveling all the way across the country. I just got to think that they're some, what is a uh, steal in their spines as Harbaugh probably would say if he was their head coach, yeah. you know, it's yeah. like, you gotta, there's talent there. They are banged up a little bit on the outside, but there's talent there. I just, you know, I, like I said, I have a hard time for seeing a repeat performance from them. 
have to think they spent a healthy amount of fall camp preparing for Michigan too. And, and perhaps even more than they spent preparing for Montana. If I'm being blunt, I mean, so I guess we'll see. All right. Finally, those are our over unders. Thanks to Neil for sending those. Um, final, I guess, score prediction. That's all we do, right? Is kind of our thoughts on the game and then our score prediction. Yes, sir. All right. Your thoughts. Michigan too good at home at night. Try not to over. I'm trying not to overthink Washington's performance. Again, I think they'll play better, particularly offensively, than they did against Montana. But I don't. I don't think it's going to be enough. Uh, I just think Michigan too amped up at home. Their star players were their star players last week. I think that's such one of the best signs for Michigan last week was that Daxon Hill and Aiden Hutchinson both look like. NFL players on the field and there's so much value to what that can do for the rest of the unit. I think that's really important uh, for them in in the bigger games. And I think it'll show on Saturday. So offense still kind of continues long. I don't think they, you know, they're not going to run for 300 plus, but I do think they're effective. I think McNamara continues to play a strong sound brand of football. Uh, I'll say Michigan, you know, the spreads all the way to seven. I think Michigan wins relatively comfortably. I'm going to say something like 31 to 17. I think they, I think they pull away either, either they pull away or they pull ahead early and just kind of cruise or they, they pull away maybe with a late touchdown to sometime like, I don't know, midway through the fourth quarter or something. 31, 17. Sure. I think this game gets a little dicey if Michigan can't run the ball. I think I've alluded to that enough. So that, that will be something that I'll be keeping an eye on in the first quarter. I, I just, ha- I have to think Washington will, at least defensively bring it. Um, I don't know if Michigan's defense, although I certainly really come away feeling differently now that I've seen how they can use Jackson Hill and Aiden Hutchinson really liked him in a stand-up role. I thought that was, and, and he's definitely slimmed down a little bit. Uh, he looks like someone who's just getting, just scratching the surface of what he can do in that edge role. And, and I feel the same way about Hill. Um, I just, Washington doesn't really know what, what to expect out of Michigan's defense. They did not look good against Montana. Have a very hard time seeing them putting together several drives where they can really push, keep Michigan on, on their heels. Uh, will be interesting to see with a bigger, better offensive line on paper, at least, how Michigan's defensive front does. But, but this feels like a game Michigan should win. I'm going to say 27-14. to 14. The Wolverines win. So we have the, I think we have the same margin scoring margin or, or close to it, but I, I still, still curious to see how Michigan's offense looks against uh, a, a better defense on paper than what Western Michigan brings to the table. Anyways, that'll do it for us. For Steve Lorenz, I'm Zach Shaw. This has been the Wolverine 24 seven podcast. Hope you had fun. Hope you learned something and stay tuned for the post game episode shortly after the game's conclusion. This has been the Wolverine 24- 24-7 podcast.